Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we're recording. Everyone, as you're tuning in on any platform that we're on right now, maybe on video, could be on YouTube, could be on our podcast audio version. But thank you for tuning in for another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I'm Kevin Daisy, your host. I'm also the founder of Array Digital, where we help law firms grow their pipeline through digital marketing. Welcome again to another episode today. I got Stephen joining me here from Arlington, Virginia. Stephen, thanks so much. Look forward to learning more about you and your practice. Thanks. Happy to be here. Excellent. So, uh, you're in Arlington, Virginia, which is not too far away from me here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Tell us a little bit you know, about yourself and your journey, really, I think. you know, At what point in time did you decide to become a, an attorney, practice law? And, and kind of tell us a little bit about that journey of you know, that process of what you went through and, and really how you, you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I think I've always had an advocate-type spirit, and I've always been a bit of an entrepreneur. You know, I had a paper route when I was really young going around my neighborhood with a little red wagon, dropping off newspapers to the my, my neighbors. You know, it's only a few streets long, but I think I was probably under 13. Um, Illegal. So you, you could do that back back when I was, you know, that, that age. I'm not sure paper routes exist for young kids anymore, but I've always sort of had this idea of sort of doing your own thing and kind of having your own business. And, you know, when I got, you know, a little bit older and we were in school, you know, high school and college, I always like to kind of go advocate for, for causes. And I was primarily interested in environmental causes, sustainability and climate change. And I thought that I wanted to do that on the policy basis. Um, so I graduated from college from the University of Michigan. I'm actually in the business school with a, with a minor in environmental studies. And I wanted to come to DC to sort of work for environmental NGO. So what I did, I did that for a number of years. And I sort of realized that, you know, I want to go to law school and, and be a lawyer and litigate these cases, you know, save the earth, whether it's the water, the trees, the, the air, the animals, whatever it was. And I wanted to work for DOJ and be in their enforcement division. And, I, and that's why I went to law school. And I applied and I, and I got in uh, to the public interest program at UCLA, which was fantastic. And unfortunately, you know, after a little bit of time sort of doing that, as most people find out, go to law school for one thing and you kind of come out doing something else. Um, I really enjoyed the client interaction and you don't have client interactions when your clients are, you know, trees or animals or water or air. So I kind of changed gears and sort of changed my advocacy to, to more civil litigation where I could represent individual clients. And that's what my firm does now. You know, we're um, licensed in Virginia and in DC. I would say we're probably 80 to 85% of our work from Virginia and the rest is in DC. Um, and we represent, you know, uh, individuals, uh, small businesses, and whatever they need in civil litigation. Excellent, awesome. I, I love the story. And the again, everyone's got. Every time I ask, it's a different. You going one way, and something brought you to into this other, you know, other path. And and I, I've heard a lot of managing partners actually share that you know they started in one type of practice in law, and some went to multiple before they really found you know the place they wanted to be. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. Now, yeah, you can't really talk to trees unless you go camping a lot and, you know, you can try. Yeah, you can hug them and they might even, you know, hug you back, but, you know, they're not going to be a big advocate for themselves, unfortunately. And there are great lawyers that are doing that work and they should be praised and they, they're, they're doing omen work. It's just, I'm not sure I can see that for my for myself, my career. I needed that sort of 
you know, interaction, one-on-one communication like you and I are doing now with the client. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I would go nuts. I like to talk to people. So, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't probably do well on that either. And I actually, long time ago, personally, I used to be in uh, civil engineering and, and doing uh, drafting and doing all kinds of cool plans and work with the environmental and, uh, more in the land development side, but it was a cubicle and, you know, drawing plans and stuff. And just, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. So marketing, that's where I found my path. But, um, so, but anyway, this is more about you. So I want to know more about your firm. So you, you mentioned, so what are some of the areas that you, you, you know, you really focus on and practice in, uh, or specialize in? Yeah. So on the litigation side, you can kind of can sort of divide the world into maybe three broad categories, you know, civil litigation based in contract, uh, civil litigation based in torts, and then civil litigation based in statute. And we're primarily um, in the contract realm. So if you hire a home renovation contractor to come in and you know bump out your roof or remodel your kitchen, and they're unlicensed and they steal your money, we're happy to you know help out in those cases. There's there's like hopefully there's a contract in place, if not written, certainly verbal, right? If you have a a landlord or a tenant dispute. Um, maybe they're not paying rent. Maybe there's some other lease violation. Maybe the landlord's not fulfilling their repair obligations, or the tenant has unauthorized occupants in the property. You know, there's a contract that sort of says what's supposed to happen, and so we do that type of work. And then there's also all kinds of you know just contract disputes. You know, I paid for a service I didn't get, or I paid for a product I didn't get, um, and so we handle all those kinds of you know contract-based disputes. There are some statutes that sort of tie in to some of those contract disputes. You know, one of the big ones that we handle is the Virginia Consumer Protection Act. Um, if you're one of the violations of, of the act is being an unlicensed contractor. So mm. in, a, in a lawsuit where the contractor is unlicensed, not only can we get them for breach of contract, we can also potentially get them for a violation of the VCPA, which is great because it allows for the clients to have a hook for attorney's fees and also trouble damages, which is sometimes up to three times their actual damages. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, great explanation. So uh, just kind of a little piece in there I was trying to, I was thinking about is um, with COVID specifically uh, with tenants and landlords, you know, what really have you seen with any situations with that, as far as people not being able to pay their rent or not having to pay their rent uh, situations that landlords may be in, uh, you know, what kind of have you seen on that, that front? Yeah. So when the landlords and the tenants work together, it's usually okay. The tenant lost their job and they, and they can't pay rent. So they work with the landlord to apply for rental assistance, you know, and there's millions and millions of dollars of assistance out there. So in those cases, it's okay, right? The tenant gets uh, the application submitted with the landlord or the landlord does it with the tenant's assistance and whatever agency is appropriate, whether it's, you know, state DC and DC or, or the agencies in Virginia that provide the assistance, then it's no problem. Um, and, and the landlord gets the money and hopefully take it back on their feet and everything, everyone kind of can, can move on. The issue was, at least initially in Virginia, when there was evictions that needed to happen for non-rent-based reasons, unauthorized occupants, for example. You know, you said that you'll have two people there and there's 20. Um, originally, there were no evictions at all, and so you couldn't do anything. Virginia, much sooner than D.C., relaxed those regulations and allowed for landlords in, uh, in Virginia to evict for non-monetary reasons. And then shortly thereafter, they allowed for monetary evictions as well, as long as certain conditions were. Um, so Virginia was, you know, I think, taking a much more reasonable perspective on this, especially for the private individual landlord. Sure. DC, on the other hand, just completely off their rocker. <laughs> 
yes. for well over a year and a half, there were no evictions allowed at all for any reason, no matter what. I got a client who's got a dying mother that she's trying to move into her house and the tenants don't want to leave. Hmm. There's no real reason why they are allowed to stay other than no evictions for any reason are going forward in DC. Now that just sort of changed and evictions for non-payment of rent can, can now go forward um, and evictions for other reasons oh, wow. go forward and get filed in the beginning of 2022. But you know, DC's refusal to allow any evictions for any reason for well over a year was, was one of the most tenant-friendly ways of dealing with the moratorium um, in COVID that, I, that I've seen. It's interesting. So it is fine to look out for the tenants. And DC is very tenant-friendly. Yeah. But you to be looking out for the private landlords too. I mean, they got mortgage, mortgage to pay or other, other things to sort of take care of. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's, you know, as me, as I, uh, trying to do more investment in real estate and, and have a property myself, um, and my, and my business partner as well. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of times people are like, Oh, well the landlord, they own the property and they own all these properties and, you know, but very quickly at risk if their tenants aren't paying. So, and they'll lose everything they got. Yeah. And I tell all my clients, you know, this, and I'll tell you the same thing. You know, if you're looking to do investment properties for rental businesses and you're deciding between Virginia and DC, go to Virginia <laughs> 10 out of 10 times. And in part, because if there's any issues, it's just much easier to get through the Virginia court system than the DC court system. It's much easier. Okay. Write that down. I don't plan on buying anything in DC though, but okay. <laughs> well, that's, that's very interesting. That just, just, I mean, too, I mean, you could be just across the line. And not really, you know, realizing the difference there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I lived in D.C., you know, when I when I first you know, moved here from, from college, we lived in D.C. and I got married and our first place was in D.C. And my wife's from Arlington, Virginia, originally. And, you know, she convinced me after a few years that we should look into Arlington. I was like, oh, I want to be in Arlington. You know, D.C. is so great. Arlington's way better. It's just <laughs> so much better. You heard it here first. That's right. Uh, works for a D.C.-based company. from, um, And she lived up there for a while, but she was in uh, Reston and... Arlington and I think it's Arlington's the last place you lived, but, but uh, yeah, go Virginia. That's where I'm at. So that's right. And if yeah. you buy the investment properties along like the Metro line, it's relatively comparable to DC. I mean, relatively. Hey there, this is Eric J. Olson, the CEO of Array Law. If you're ready to work with a world-class digital marketing company, reach out. You can find us online at ArrayLaw.com or call us at any time. 757-333-3021. Excellent. Well, okay. Thanks for kind of sharing that insight. That's something I, you know, since you, you know, you specialize in that, I was wondering just how that was, was panning out and, and how things were going with that. So you more represent the landlords with, with what you do? We do. I mean, it's certainly more landlords than tenants, but I think last time I checked, it was about 60-40. Oh, okay. it's, it's relatively even. I would say most attorneys that do landlord-tenant work are way more landlord-heavy than we are. We try really hard to, to do both. We're happy to do both. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It's good. Nice to have a good a good mix. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, as, as far as you mentioned who you work with a little bit there and, and that side of things, what are some of the things that you have done to attract clients? Um, how How are you getting... You know, tenants and, and landlords are completely different. What's worked well for you to, to get clients in, in the door? Yeah, I mean, I think the two biggest things that we've done um, to get them in the door are are the, are the blog posts on the website. You know, there's a lot of really good content that we've produced. And I think people are searching for specific things. And, you know, we're, we're sort of lucky, I think, that our blog posts kind of come up on 
relatively high on Google. I don't think we've done anything in particular to uh, make that happen other than produce good content. You know, our eviction blog post, you know, gets a ton of hits. Oh, nice. More evictions in Virginia. That's, that's usually one of the, the top results, or at least it used to be. Um, but other content too, you know, we've got a bunch of blog posts on, on defamation. And that's one of the areas that sort of my firm tackles. That there's no contract in defamation, um, but there is oftentimes a writing where there, you can look at the, the statement that was made and sort of use that as the basis for the lawsuit. And so I think that's, those have been really helpful. People read them and they have questions and they contact us. And I would say the other thing that we've done to sort of bring folks in the door is to just focus on the, on the online reviews. You know, there's so many attorneys out there. It can, it can be hard to differentiate. Um, I don't know that we've done a great job of differentiating other than the fact that we've got a lot of reviews. And I think that gives us some credibility among people who don't really know where to turn. But I don't know, we probably could use some help. Well, I mean, kudos to you. I mean, you're, well, you're preaching to the choir here because we do digital marketing uh, for law firms, but we believe in a lot of things you just mentioned, of course. And, um, you know, content can be very powerful. And I think there's a good book out there you can check out if you have if you haven't already. But anyone listening is um, they asked you answer. And uh, it was a gentleman who owned a pool company and he had a website like yours. He had a blog. Um, and he just started going, you know what? We get all these questions from clients all the time. I'm going to start answering them all. And so what he started to do is write a blog post answering all the questions he got and uh, quickly became the most, I think they're like the largest pool company in the country, but they started out of Virginia, actually, Richmond area. Um, now they have, I mean, they're more like franchised, I think at this point, but uh, basically what it is, people are asking questions. I actually have a pool. When I got my pool, how much does a pool cost? Should I get fiberglass? Should I get this? Should I get that? There's a lot of questions you have. So as a tenant or a landlord, you're going to be searching this stuff. And if you're a local a attorney that they're going to be looking for, that's even more opportunity because a, a geographically, you're going to come up. And the reviews are the other piece that pulls it together. Should I call them? Let me take a look at what other people have said. It also helps you do ranking, your Google My Business listings, all that stuff. So yeah, everything you said is, is great. And I wish more people paid attention to that stuff because I talked to a lot of firms that, that don't at all. And word of mouth and referrals is basically the only way they exist, um, which is great. You can't go, you can't beat a referral. Right. But, but, you know, I always tell everyone is imagine if Google could be your other referral source. And when someone doesn't have a trusted referral and they have a situation that you think you, you know you can help them with, why not be there? Right. So, so yeah, I think it's great what you're doing. And if that's working well for you, that's, that's great stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I want to listen and produce good content and, and it's helping people and you're the brand that they're in front of and, you know, answering their question, there's a good chance they're going to say, you know what, I'm just going to give Steven a call because <laughs> he, he obviously knows what he's talking about. So. Yeah, I think that works. And I think the other thing that we do pretty well is I think we're, we're generally, we try to meet people where they are. You know, we're not one of those, you know, snooty, white tipped shoe law firms. You know, I mean, I'm wearing a baseball cap and a, a polo shirt. I mean, it's kind of who we are. Like our website's pretty casual. Needs probably a, a facelift, honestly. It's a little bit old, updated, but it's, 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 it's relaxed, it's casual. And that's kind of how we, how we handle things. Obviously, we're, we're, we take people's matters and our clients' matters very seriously, but it doesn't mean that we have to look down on people or talk in, in ways they don't understand or make them yeah. feel any less than, than, than who they are. I, I love it. And I think, you know, being yourself and that's, you know, I think that's huge. And I think, yeah, I've, I've got to see a lot of firms and, and people have had on the show here that, that have done that in different unique ways. And it's really cool to see most are kind of 
they look like a law firm. They act like a law firm. And, um, you know, it's just nice to see someone that's just, you know what, I'm, that's not going to be me. We're going to be ourselves. We're going to be uh, able to see eye to eye with folks and, and make them feel, I think, more comfortable, honestly. So that's the goal. Yeah. No, I love it. Excellent. So uh, what's the plans, you know, for you uh, the next couple of years and coming out of COVID, things have been a little crazy. I hope things are on the mend and, and we'll come out of this pretty quickly. But with that said or not, uh, you know, what's the, the plans that you have for growth, you know, over the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think we're happy to we're happy to grow. We're also happy to sort of stay the same size. I think right now we actually have more work than we have I think attorneys to do it. We actually are hiring. So if anyone is listening out there and they're you know not a managing partner, not owning their own firm, but they they have their own position, but looking for a change, uh, you know, we're hiring sort of. Uh, I would say we are hiring for an entry level, but we prefer to have somebody who's got a few years of litigation experience in Virginia, preferably. And if we can find somebody like that, we'd be happy to expand. Yeah, yeah. so uh, websites again at the bottom of the site, I mean, of the screen here. <clears throat> and I think, I, I believe I saw that on your website where you're looking for someone uh, with zero to three years experience, I believe. Yeah, two to three would be ideal. But, you know, if we got the right person with, with sort of coming out of law school, you know, we would train them up if need be. But preferably somebody who's got some in-court litigation experience already. Excellent. Yeah, so anyone listening, if you know someone like that, we have a lot of attorneys that tune in. So hopefully maybe someone can... Uh, can find someone for you, but check out Steven's website, see what they're all about, learn more about his, his firm. Uh, they're also looking for someone to join the team. So uh, if you got in your fulls for him, please reach out. Um, and uh, Steven, is there anything else um, you want to share before we go? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I guess <laughs> if people are out there and they're, and they're thinking about, you know, whether they want to start their own firm, if that's sort of the, the question, right? What do you, what does it take to be a, a managing partner at a firm? I think they have to understand that being a litigator is being very, it's very different than being a managing partner at a firm. And one of my colleagues, one of the first people I met uh, when I moved here and started my own firm, you know, told me that, you know, he's got, basically he's got several jobs, right? He, he's, he's basically doing half of his time being a litigator, half of his time uh, running the firm, and then half of his time doing, doing admin. You can do the math. That's, that's four than one. Right. So you kind of have to be comfortable with the idea that you're going to be doing a lot until you can kind of get help. And even when you get help, you're still going to be doing a lot of managing, which is not litigating. So if you really like litigating, then be a litigator. If you like businesses and you went to business school, or if you didn't like business, go to business school, I did. I like business. I like managing businesses. Then that's, that's fine. Just understand that it's a different type of job than just being a litigator. No, good advice, uh, Stephen, for sure. And I, you know, I hear time and time again, everyone that we talk to here, <clears throat> that uh, you know, you're not taught how to run a business in law school. And um, you know, a lot of people they want to go and start their own firm, do their own thing, but you got to know how to, you got to learn how to do it all. So either have some good mentors, some great people to lean on, ask questions. Uh, but it's a lot more to it than just doing what you want to do. Uh, you got to run everything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're barely taught to be a litigator in law school, and that's kind of what they're supposed to be training you to do. So they're certainly not teaching you how to manage a firm. Um, you know, one of the things that you know could be useful for somebody sort of in this limbo situation, um, like you mentioned, finding good mentors. There's a, a networking group of solo and small firm attorneys in Northern Virginia that that I run and that meets you know once a month. And so whether you're a solo or small firm attorney, whether you're um, you're just an attorney looking to maybe jump into that type of field, you're welcome to come, you know, feel free to reach out to me. I can add you to the list. 
and you can come in for get to the mentorship that you might need before you, you take the plunge or if you've already taken the plunge and you're you know, kind you're of taking, uh, you're trying to swim. Exactly, exactly. You're not quite drowning, you're not quite swimming, you know, feel free to come to any lunches and the people there are really friendly and happy to offer advice. That's excellent. I love that. And uh for me, I run a different type of firm, but we have uh, masterminds that we're part of, definitely have coaches and mentors. Uh, you know, I've been running companies for a long time, but we still we still lean on folks and get other opinions and it's a constant learning process. So yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help and ask questions. There's plenty sure. of people out there like Steven that'll that'll help you out. So definitely. Well Steven, I appreciate you sharing that and um hopefully some folks will reach out. Hopefully you find the person that you're looking forward to. And um just appreciate you sharing some of those tips and advice and wish you all the best with your firm. Yeah, thanks so much. And, and you too. And thanks again for having me on the show. Yeah. All right. Well, stick on with me for a second. Everyone else, thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you learned a lot from Steven. Back this up. Listen again. He's got a lot of good things to, to share there. So we'll see you again next time. And Steven, thanks again for joining me.